Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, good holiday season, is looking forward to a new calendar year that we hope is a lot better. I don't know if we can guarantee it, but we're hoping. Um, anyways, I'm excited to be doing the first Bible breakdown of the new year today. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is going to be very focused, and it's going to be uh, something that's related to the lesson for this week. But it's also, I think, going to be helpful just in the entirety of the section we're in. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Acts, and there's just a lot of things that happen in Acts that are are unique. And um, especially when you think about Acts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go over some of the ways that the Holy Spirit currently ministers to believers. So I'm not going to really go into everything the Spirit's ever done. I'm really going to kind of focus in on the ongoing ministry of the Spirit. Um, Something that I want to be sure to do in this also is skip or excuse me, stick to scripture uh, as much as possible. Um, I know that all of us kind of have come from different backgrounds and different traditions when it comes to kind of the way the Holy Spirit has been talked about or understood. And so I don't want to delve too deeply into the minutia of really how different denominations or different uh, even countries really kind of decide what they think the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do. Uh, I don't think that's going to be too terribly productive in terms of not only is it mostly human arguments, but it's just a way to be inflammatory, I think, sometimes, too. So what I'm going to do is do my best here to stick to Scripture. We're going to be reading a ton of Scripture today in the in the podcast, so uh, I wouldn't even bother getting your Bible out. I'm going to probably read them too fast, but um, if for any reason you would love some of these Scripture references sent to you so that you could reference them another time. Uh, I'd be more than happy to oblige you on that. And so that's kind of what we're going to focus on. So I'm going to stick to the scripture as best I can. I'm going to try to do a little bit of uh, explanation of the passages that we're looking at. And then I'll I'll offer some maybe some opinion um, as well, but I'll do my best to kind of clearly denote when I'm giving a little bit of my, maybe my opinion or the way that I would understand what we're reading. Um, So I want to clearly delineate that. And then I really want the focus to be what scripture says about the Holy Spirit, and especially in terms of the Holy Spirit's ongoing ministry in our lives. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get into kind of the personhood of the Holy Spirit, though I will affirm that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and has a will. Um, The Holy Spirit should not be considered a force, um, but should be considered one of the persons of the Godhead. That's how we describe the three persons of the Godhead. Um, So, Keeping that in mind, that the Holy Spirit is is God, part of the Trinity, uh, has will, intellect, um, all the normal things, isn't just some sort of force. So going into it with that kind of um, over overview of just the person of the Spirit, that's probably a whole episode for another time. But yeah, so we're going to be focusing on the ongoing ministry of the Spirit um, in believers specifically as well. So um, I have got... One, two, three, four, five. I've narrowed it down to five. Now, this is far from exhaustive, but I've got five ways that the Holy Spirit um, ministers to us. And when I say that, kind of like what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives as believers. So I've got five things I'm going to read. Like I said, you're going to read a bunch of scripture. 
do a little bit of explanation. Um, but really looking forward to having this as just the background for what we read in Acts, uh, because we're going to see the Holy Spirit in a unique way in Acts, as opposed to um, in the rest of Scripture, where we we don't see as many instances of the Holy Spirit um, that we're always aware of, you know. Um, so it, we'll be seeing a lot more obvious kind of works of the Spirit. So we're going to talk through those. All right. So enough talking about it. I guess I'll actually go into it now. So ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I have is that the Holy Spirit indwells believers. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. Um, the first passage I'm going to read is John 14, 16, and 17. It says, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So um, we actually talked about this one not that long ago in a lesson that we went over, John 14. Um, but Jesus is telling uh, the disciples that even though he's when he leaves after his uh, ascension, after the resurrection, that the Holy Spirit's going to be coming. Um, fun little Greek nugget for the day. Um, it says he will give you another helper. So there's two words that we con uh, that we commonly translate another from Greek. One is heteros, which is probably a root that you're familiar with. Um, heterogeneous, talking about a mixture of uh, different things, or heterosexual, an attraction to uh, opposite sex are kind of root words that we get from that. So that's one. And then the other one is a word called alos, which I don't think this has as clear a use in English. Um, but the word heteros, as you, as I kind of explained already, is it's another and it's different. Whereas the word alos is, it's another, but it's the same. And so we're looking at the word alos here in Greek. So when he says, I will send you another helper, he's basically saying, I'm going to send you a helper that is like me. Um, and we know that now that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, the disciples, again, we talk about it all the time. They may not have necessarily understood that the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity. They may not have understood the Trinity at all, really. Uh, but Jesus is telling them, I'm sending you another helper who's in the same vein as me, has the same mission, um, and is also God. So that's a the fun little nugget. And then you see he's comforting the disciples um, by saying he, this Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. So yeah, the Holy Spirit indwells believers. We see another passage where this is mentioned in Romans 8, 9 through 11. Romans 8, by the way, great chapter for a lot of good theology, um, just a lot of great things about who God is and who we are in relation to him and how he relates to us um, and with his grace, just a free nugget there. Um, Romans 8, 9 through 11, Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So um, this is, there's a lot of kind of uh, intermingling of spirit, spirit of Christ, Christ, just, you know, all that kind of stuff. But basically what Paul is saying, he's, he's using the um, if arguments where it's kind of, you're assuming it's true. Um, you may know the verse in Romans six, where he says, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And his, he's clearly, denoting like, no, we shouldn't do that. And he's saying that, hey, if you're believers in Christ, like the spirit of God dwells in you. So he's saying, if the spirit of God dwells in you and 
from where he's been in the letter previously, the assumption is yes. Like I'm assuming that for most of you that this is the case. Um, and it's not only saying that the spirit dwells in us, um, but also kind of like we saw in that John passage, linking ministry of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then um, that the spirit will give life to our mortal bodies. Um, I think really that what that kind of denotes, and here we are, this is opinion, explanation, not raw scripture here. I told you I would do my best to tell you. Um, our mortal bodies are not, we know that our mortal bodies will die, um, but even when we're in sin, there's a death that exists in our mortal bodies that um, even though our bodies are alive, there's still death in us. Um, but with the spirit, the spirit brings life and the spirit um, overcomes the sin uh, that has been in our life because through what Jesus has done, we can be forgiven and cleansed of that and brings life not only in um, this life, but also um, in eternity where we get to be with him. So there you go. So there's just two passages about the indwelling of the spirit. Um, I'm not going to go again. I'm not going to be exhaustive with every verse there is. We'd be here a while. Um, but so that's the first one. Ministry of the Holy Spirit to believers is that the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. Um, the second one that we have here, um, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. So I've got a couple passages here. The first one, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. And that's Paul talking about his um, fellow um, missionaries with the church in Corinth and continuing in the scripture and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So that's this one. He's kind of saying um, God's put his seal. And I think that has a lot to do with Paul kind of defending like his apostleship. Um, but then he also said he's given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So I don't think it's a coincidence that that seal spirit and then guarantee um, seal and guarantee kind of are working in a similar way here to explain. Um, I guess that Paul often has to defend the legitimacy of his apostleship. And so that may be kind of what he's doing here, but he's basically saying like, we, we have a guarantee uh, of what God has done because of the spirit living in us. Um, and then one that, uh, you may be a little more familiar with Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, there's that word again, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So um, here Paul is saying is when we believe um, in the gospel, we are sealed with the spirit and that the Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance, what we'll receive in eternity. Um, and then it's all to the praise of the glory of God, um, which is just a good perspective. So when we talk about a seal here, um, a seal, you can think of it like not so much as we think seal, like maybe like a Ziploc, you know, something that really holds it in tight, like the Holy Spirit's keeping us in there or something like that. Not quite. It's more like um, if you've seen some sort of, older um, movie that's depicting in a time where kings would would kind of press their ring into some uh, ink or whatever. I don't know what that goop they used was, but they used that to make it as an official, um, like this is an official edict from the king. I'm going to put my seal on whatever this order is. That's kind of what we're thinking here. That's the, the word that we're talking about. Um, there are no aquatic mammals involved in case that's where your mind went. If it did go there, I'd applaud you for that. But 
um, we're thinking more like an official seal. So it's kind of this, um, the Holy Spirit in us is, it's our guarantee that, that we belong to God, um, that we belong, that we will inherit what he's promised us. So uh, the Holy Spirit also ministers to us in that way. And that's kind of like your, you think of almost like your, your passive ability there. Like it's, it's always happening. We're always sealed by the Holy Spirit. And um, that gives us a lot of comfort in our, um, in just the hope that we have that um, our salvation is secure as well. And again, we're going, this is analysis, not raw scripture in this specific instance, but the Holy Spirit is, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is one way that we know that our salvation is secure, um, that we're not going to be, uh, that God's not going to give up on us if we've believed in Jesus, that um, we can rest in the security of our salvation. All right, on to number three, the Spirit intercedes for us. Intercedes is a word that we don't use a lot in the real world. We use it a decent amount in the church world, but even so, it's kind of a strange word. Um, intercede basically meaning uh, to go on behalf of someone else. Um, you may be familiar with the term intercessory prayer when you pray on behalf of somebody else. Um, so the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Um, Romans 8, 26, 27, there's Romans 8 again, uh, says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So Paul's basically saying that the spirit is, is interceding on behalf of our, uh, our needs and our, the desires of our soul that we don't even maybe consciously recognize, um, which is a great comfort um, that the spirit is interceding on behalf of needs. We don't know that we have, whether they, um, I don't, and I don't think this is always even just needs. I think sometimes the spirit may intercede with, um, with some sort of worship, maybe our there's there's things that are in our soul that maybe we can't quite verbalize to the Lord, but the Spirit can maybe. Um, and it, we're here and we're here in analysis, not in Scripture. Um, the Spirit can even kind of almost interpret these these feelings we have toward the Lord that maybe we can't even verbalize. Um, but knowing that the Spirit is um, going to bat for us um, and um, for all the saints. So that's all believers. Um, and it's all according to the will of God. So we know that when the spirit intercedes that, um, since he is a part of the Godhead, that whatever he intercedes for us uh, on behalf of us for is the will of God. So we can rest in that comfort too. So the spirit is also interceding for us. This is, uh, not actually totally unfamiliar in the Godhead as we also, um, and I don't have the scripture reference handy. Um, but we, know that uh, Jesus also intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. So um, we just, it's just a cool way to recognize, um, A, just the unity that exists in the Trinity, and also just the the love and care that God has for us, that um, part of what is important to him is that he's interceding for us constantly, that Jesus is interceding for us, that the Spirit's interceding for us. Um, yeah, just, a, a, again, a comfort to know just where we are how God looks at us, um, how, wh- who we are in his eyes. All right. Fourth thing in the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us. I'm going to read you Galatians 5, 16 through 23. Um, 
you'll be familiar with the end, I think, with the fruit of the spirit. But I think the context is helpful. And I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, so Galatians 5, 16 through 23 says, but I say, that's Paul talking. He says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, which is a fancy word for things you shouldn't be doing, uh, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may remember that from BBS like I do. Uh, it says, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there's a lot here. Um, sometimes I think we can get real concerned when he says, I warn you that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we say, wait, I've done those things. Um, I'm not going to jump too much into that today. I really want to kind of focus on um, the work of the spirit. It kind of works against our flesh. So Paul is telling them basically like that there's the flesh, which is kind of that natural part of us. The, um, in our, we believe that um, we are naturally sinful. And this is, again, this is not pure scripture right here. This is Bible analysis. So just, again, told you, I would tell you when I'm not going straight from scripture and using a little bit of um, larger analysis. So, um, but we believe um, as in our tradition that we are um, sinful, totally sinful, totally depraved, um, and that left to our own devices, we would choose evil. Um, and so that's not a super popular opinion these days in the world, um, but that's what we believe. So the flesh is that part of us that would seek to gratify our own desires rather than do something that would honor the Lord. And so the spirit works against those in us. So there's kind of, I mean, you've seen it in your own life. I'm sure that um, there's, there's times when you're sinning and you're like, why, why am I doing that? I don't even understand why I would want to do that. Um, I want to follow the Lord, but I just can't seem to help these, these sinful desires. That's the flesh that still exists, even believers. Um, but the spirit is really what enables us to do anything that's not of the flesh. Um, and so that's kind of where I want to go with the saying that the spirit produces fruit. Now, a lot of times we read um, verses 22 and 23, the, the fruit of the spirit, and we think, oh, okay, so a person who has the spirit um, exhibits these qualities. That is true, but I think we need to um, be sure that we really know what the source of, these, of this fruit is. The fruit of the spirit is what the spirit brings about in our lives. Um, I think one of the best metaphors I've ever heard is you don't make an apple tree by tying an apple onto a branch of a tree. Like the tree produces the apples and that's what makes it an apple tree. That's what we have to think about with the fruit of the spirit. The spirit is the one who's producing, um, bearing the fruit of these in our lives. Um, it's not that, oh, I finally have the fruit of the spirit if I try really hard to be joyful. Um, that's not quite how it works. It's more like the more that I let the spirit work through me, the more that I will find that the fruit of the spirit, which are these things listed, will um, exist in my life. Now, there's nothing against 
working on certain fruits of the spirit and trying to be more in tune with what the spirit is trying to do in your life at a time. So if you want to be more joyful and you want to focus on that, that's great um, because the spirit's already trying to work that in us. However, we're very stubborn. Um, and it's also kind of a, a little bit of a misnomer to say that if you exhibit these, it's not by exhibiting these qualities that we have them. Um, I'm confusing myself now. So it's kind of a situation where you don't get the fruits of the spirit by acting them out. But at the same time, if the spirit is working inside you, you'll see these um, you'll see these qualities. So it really is kind of more about where do we understand this fruit of the spirit to come from? The fruit of the spirit is what the spirit produces in us, not something that we try to um, handle ourselves and tie apples on trees, um, if that makes sense. I know that was a little bit roundabout, but just want to focus on that the ministry of the spirit is that the is that the spirit is producing this fruit in us, not that we are trying to um, be like the spirit. And hopefully we have the fruit of the spirit if we work hard enough. It's more like if we let the spirit do what the spirit's doing in our lives, then we will start to exhibit these fruits. So that went in a big old circle. Sorry about that. Hope that was clear. Um, if there's any questions about that where I could speak more clearly, hopefully um, you will reach out and I will do my best. So that's the fourth one. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. And then this, the last one I'm going to mention is the Holy Spirit brings unity. Holy Spirit brings unity. Um, we see this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in, the, in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so I think this is a really fitting way to end. Um, and just a great reminder that though desire of the Trinity, the desire, the work of the spirit is to bring unity amongst believers. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are familiar with Paul's kind of metaphor of the body for church. Uh, not everybody can be eyes not everybody can be ears. We see that him uh, explain that a little more fully in other passage. Um, but unity is such a tough one. Unity is really hard. Um, especially, I mean, you think about having total unity in like one church building, how difficult that can be. Now expand it to a city, to a state, to a country, and now across the world. Um, unity is tough. And we see it a lot in our world, how difficult it is to achieve unity and how difficult it is for um, people that are different to recognize each other's differences as um, different, you know, valuable assets to the church at large. Um, and our, our world is very fractured um, right now. I think the world has pretty much always been fractured. Um, we just, I think, see it a lot more now. We have a lot more information available to us through the internet, and we can see kind of the brokenness and fracturing that happens in our world. I think it's just so important that the thing that really unites us to another person in the world is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, when I am in a place with another believer, the thing we have in common that is most important is that we both have the Holy Spirit. And that's our mark more than, uh, any sort of certificate of membership, any, uh, you know, card carrying member of any denomination unites you to another person, um, in terms of spirituality. 
it's really the, the Holy Spirit is what unites us. Um, the Holy Spirit draws us together into one body to, uh, to use us for God's glory. And it's just a, it's a constant exercise in, in faith and practice and stumbling and apologizing to really recognize and celebrate the unity that exists between all of us. And it's, it's hard. Like I'm, no, there's no bones about it. A lot of the New Testament is devoted to the unity between specifically uh, Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jews. Um, there's a lot of ink that Paul used talking about that one specific issue. So it's really honestly shouldn't be that surprising for us that we see fracturing and disunity in the world, even amongst believers. Um, and we've got different like large traditions. So you think maybe like a Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox sort of separation. And then even within all of those different things, just the the differences, the denominations, things like that. And there's not necessarily um, something wrong with that, but I think it speaks to the nature of humanity that we tend to really like the people that are like us. Um, and we tend to struggle with the people who are not like us. And what Paul is calling believers to do um, in first Corinthians here is to just remember that the Holy spirit is really what binds all of us together. And we're all part of the body of Christ. And hopefully when we see a quality in someone that's different, um, but not wrong, that we can recognize that as a, a part of the, the body that God is using, that God is sanctifying um, for his purposes and uh, that the same ministry of the Spirit happening in me is the same thing happening to someone uh, who believes in Jesus all the way across the world. And there's some there's some comfort to be taken in that. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge also. So um, again, just want everyone to keep kind of this in mind as we go forward through the book of Acts, because we're going to see a lot of the uh, a lot of kind of miraculous things through the Holy Spirit. We're going to see the Holy Spirit's work. Um, most in Acts, the most explicitly. And so um, just thinking about who is the Holy Spirit to you and what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to other believers as well, I think should be helpful. So I hope that this was um, useful and that it'll help give you a good frame for the the lessons we have coming up. I'll be praying for you this weekend um, as you prepare to teach the lesson. And until then, I just look forward to seeing you all and getting to teach the kiddos.